Amen. Praise God. All right, well, we are going to uh, begin a new series today. We're going to start the Tasked series. Tasked, T-A-S-K-E-D. If you've seen Mission Impossible, your mission, should you choose to accept it, you know, is whatever, invade the Kremlin and download the files, that sort of a deal. You know, that's your, your mission. And uh, so then they're tasked to do a particular thing. And here's the question I've got. Did you know that you are on a mission from God? Did you know you are on a mission from God? And so that's what we're going to talk about in this series. We're going to talk about the mission we have from God. And this week we're going to basically try to establish that concept and make sure that we're all on the same page with that. Because if you don't know that you've been called and chosen and tasked, you're not going to know what to do. So we've got to get that established. So let's pray and we'll get into the task series this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Father, that you would just reveal to us what you've got for us to learn and to understand. And, Lord, to have things sink into our heart that we might know in our head. And, Lord, just just bless our time. Let this be uh, an opportunity to take a step forward in serving you better and getting to know you. Bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to follow Christ. Amen. Amen. There's two general ways of thinking out there. The first way would be there is no cosmic plan. We're just all sort of here by act of random chance. This would be the majority opinion in my understanding. The majority of humans in the United States think, okay, well, we're just here. You know, we're floating through space on a big rock and uh, it all just sort of happened. And from that perspective... You know, each individual just sort of looks around, tries to figure out what's going on and does what they feel like doing because nothing matters and there is no cosmic plan. And so you just got to try to make your way in a world that doesn't care about you and doesn't, uh, you know, you just happen to be here. That's one way of thinking. That is not a Christian way of thinking. That is a a secular way of thinking. It's an atheistic way of thinking. Then there's another way of thinking. And that is, yes, there is a cosmic plan. Yes, there is a God who created the universe with a plan for history that will have a beginning and an end. And he's got everything lined up and we get to be part of it individually and corporately, and if that's true, then instead of just sort of looking around and finding our way, what we need to do is we need to discover who God has made us to be. We need to discover our calling inside of God's overall plan. And that's a very important thing to realize because What I want to happen today is for everybody to have a sense of God knows my name and he's got things for me to do. 
things he's planned out in advance. I am on a mission from God. I want people to understand that because it's true. And if we just sort of wander around and do the best we can, we miss that whole thing. So, let's look at some scriptures dealing with this and see where we can get this morning. John 15, verse 16. Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is a very intimate setting. And here's what he says in John 15, 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Just leave that up there. You did not choose me. Isn't that an odd thing to say? Don't you feel like you had to choose to follow Christ at some point? (laughs) Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Now, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more detail, because there is choice involved on our side, right? We have to choose to accept the mission that we've been given. But we don't get to choose the mission. We don't get to choose whether or not he's chosen us. But we get to choose how we respond to it. Jesus says to his disciples, You did not choose me, but I have chosen you. And then he says, I have appointed you. Appointed you. It's like, I got some specific things I want you to do. I have chosen you. And appointed you. And I started thinking, how many of the big, you know, characters in the Bible were chosen by God and appointed to do things? And how many just sort of felt like doing something, so then they did? And it's like, I couldn't think of one in the second category. You know, like, Jesus goes up to people, hey, you, you right there, come follow me. And then they can choose whether or not they do that. But Jesus chooses them. You know, and you look at all the people through history. Like, you know, God chooses and appoints and puts people on a mission. Is that true for us too? Or just for the disciples back then? I mean, is that true in 2015 in Minnesota? You know, Thousands of miles from and thousands of years from when Jesus said this. Is it true here? Because if it's true. Then we need to take very seriously what God has asked us to do. Let's look at a parable. In Matthew chapter 22, there's an interesting parable. Let's just read through that. I'll interrupt myself as we go, and we'll get, we'll get there eventually. Matthew 22, verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again. Now, now this time, he's speaking to the masses. He's not talking to just a few disciples. He's talking to the masses, anybody who will listen. He's got Pharisees and Sadducees in the crowd. He's got, you know, devout followers of him in the crowd. He's got people who are just wondering what's going on and just sort of showed up in the crowd. This is just to everybody. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Okay, so this is pretty straightforward, right? 
The king is God the Father. The son is Jesus. The wedding banquet is the wedding supper of the lamb. That's where uh, all the people are gathered together. And, you know, it's, it's the culmination of history. It, it, it's just it's fantastic. Verse 3. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Isn't that sort of bizarre? There's a king. He's having a wedding banquet. It's a big deal. And he says, come. And the people who are invited say, no. Okay, verse 4. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. So now the marketing is done better. You know, there's more opportunity. Look, look, oxen and fattened cattle. This is going to be really good. You know, come on. You know, you've been invited. Come. Verse five. But they paid no attention and went off one to his field another to his business. So, this is, have you ever thrown a party and nobody came? Isn't that just sad? Think of the creator of the universe throwing a party and people are like, you know what, I'm busy at work. I can't make, you know, I got to look at my field and see, you know, it's probably time to, turn everything under because it's the fall, you know, and I'm so sorry. I'd, I'd love to come, just can't. To be just dismissed like, isn't that kind of sad? It's, it's amazing to me. Is it possible that in this world there are people who are just dismissing the living God's invitation? Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Verse 6. The re- now, that some of them weren't happy just to say, ah, I don't really want to be part of this. I'm busy. Some of them were kind of mean about it. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. So this is the persecution of the church. Verse 7. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Are you, are you wanting to have a good, happy Sunday? Good, encouraging message. It's going to get better. But, uh, you know, Jesus says a lot of very harsh things. So this is for those who mistreat and murder the followers of Christ. He is not happy with that. Judgment is a very real thing. Verse 8. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Verse 9. Go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you find. This is a very good verse for you and me. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So who's invited? You and me. Doesn't matter who you are. If you're in anyone, we're invited. Hallelujah for that. So this goes beyond just the elite apostles and into whoever in this world we can find are invited. Now look at verse 10. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. 
So what was the evaluation process for this invitation? Go get anybody. Good, bad, whatever. Doesn't matter. Just go get anybody. Bring them in. We want to fill the wedding hall with guests. I was worried when I became a Christian. I thought, man, I don't know how many Christians there are. You know, maybe there's eight, maybe ten. You know, real believers. You know, I was, just, I was somewhat deceived in that area. But I just, I didn't know any Christians. So I didn't think there were very many. Uh, and then I started going to some things and there'd be like 60,000 people. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of believers, isn't there? It's amazing stuff. But one of the things that really helped me out was reading in the book of Revelation. It was helpful to uh, see the size of the new Jerusalem. You know, there's a, there's a holy city that, that comes in, the new Jerusalem that's perfect. And it's, it's 1,400 miles across. And, the, you know, and 1,400 miles like square, and then 1,400 miles high, which is trying to wrap my mind around that. But you know, Jesus floated up into the clouds. So we, we might be three-dimensional walkers at that point. I don't know. That, that'd be pretty fun if it turns out that way. But we'll find out. But the city itself, one wall, one side of the city is just a little farther than Duluth to New Orleans. And he wants the wedding hall filled with guests. What does that mean to you and me? That means, come on in. The invitation is there. And here it says, good, bad, whatever, come on. But then it gets interesting again. Verse 11. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Now they invited absolutely everybody, but... Here's the guy, he's got the wrong clothes on. So he says, friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, it was going so well. You know, this was, this was all good and bad, yes. Now we got tied hand and foot and thrown out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That doesn't sound good. So let's get a handle on this one because this is very, very important. We need to get the right clothes on, right? We need to put on wedding clothes. Now here's the deal. It says that they went out and invited everyone in, both good and bad. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing because how many good are there? How many righteous are there? How many are there that have never sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? How many people are in that category? That category is zero. So everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. means everybody, honestly, is in the bad category. So how do you get out of the bad category and into the good category, into the category of having wedding clothes on with regards to this particular parable? Well, let's look in the book of Galatians. We'll see what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Galatia, how he explains it to them. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 26 says this, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Here's, here's the meat, verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So, I don't stand on my righteousness, do I? I stand in His righteousness. I don't stand on my own merit. I stand because I'm forgiven by the blood of the Lamb and made clean. I'm given 
the appropriate clothing for the wedding banquet by Christ. I'm clothed in Christ. It's not my own righteousness. I can't stand before God and say, you need me. Look at how awesome I am. Aren't you glad I'm finally here to help you out? I can't say that because he doesn't need me. Because there's a very great danger that if I go to a perfect place like heaven, that I might cause a problem there. Because of my history, right? So I can't say, you need me. I have to say, Lord, you need to help me or I'm not going to fit in here. And that's, that happens through being clothed with Christ. Now, have you also read in the Bible where it says we're supposed to be perfect because your heavenly Father is perfect? Be ye perfect. Isn't that a little scary? Let me tell you a good place to start. You can be perfectly forgiven. You can be perfectly cleansed. That's where we start. That gives us those wedding clothes. Let's read. I, I can't stop myself from reading 28 and 29 because I, I just love Galatians 3, 28 and 29. So 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what Paul is saying in chapter 3 of Galatians, is everyone's invited both good and bad. And when you're clothed in Christ, it doesn't matter who you are. Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free, doesn't matter. You're an heir according to the promise now, because you're clothed in Christ. You are made worthy to take part in that banquet. Catching that one? Yeah. Come on. All right, let's go back to the parable in Matthew 22. The last verse, verse 14, is very interesting. Let's look at this verse. For many are invited, but few are chosen. You may be familiar with the King James, New King James, New American Standard. Lots and lots of other versions say, for many are called, but few are chosen. I think the NIV is the only one that says invited. That's basically called, invited. It's very similar, but... Uh, many are called, few are chosen. The word chosen is the same word elect. Many are called, few are elect. If you, if you read the scriptures, it talks about the elect. Those are the ones that are in. You know, those are the believers that are in the kingdom, that are working for the kingdom, that, that are the believers. They're the elect. Many are Invited, many are called. Few are chosen. Few are elect. Everyone is invited. Everyone is called. Then it's up to you how you respond to that. If you respond the right ways, you become chosen. You become elect. How do you go from invited to chosen? Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to follow Christ. You accept the mission. You say, Lord, I know I'm not worthy to to take on this task. Make me clean. 
The blood of Christ cleanses us, makes us worthy to take on that responsibility. Then we take it on. We become followers of Christ. We accept the mission. Then we're chosen. Let's look at some biblical examples of how to respond to the invitation or the call of God. You know, different people responded in different ways. Because it's not, I get to pick. It's, God says, do this. And I get to respond. If we are on a mission from God, God supplies the mission. We just react to it. Let's look at Moses. Moses responded with what I would say is basically this. Lord, I think you've got the wrong guy. That was the response of Moses. Let's look at that. I think this is the most rational response. Lord, I think you've got the wrong guy. However, it's not the best response. (laughs) But it is, I think, the most rational response. Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Isn't that a great task? Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You know, Moses wanted the Israelites to be set free. He'd wanted that for decades. Now God says, guess what? You're the man. Let's do it. And he says, I think you got the wrong guy. I'm, I'm herding sheep. They don't like me there. (laughs) Uh, I think you got the wrong guy. Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, so there's there's a dialogue between God and Moses. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Moses is saying, look, I don't really... You know, I don't display this confidence that that I would need in order to be able to get the Israelites out of Egypt. Are you sure you got the right guy? Because I don't feel like I'm persuasive enough. Verse 10. 
Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. <laughs> it's like, I'm not, I'm not good at talking. I haven't been good. I, I don't think I'm going to be good. I don't know what to do. He says, I, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So that's, he just, he just doesn't feel like he's good enough. The Lord says to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So God says to Moses, Moses, I know you're feeling a little bit insecure here, but guess what? I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you the ability to do this. I've heard people say, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. You answer the call and all of a sudden you can start getting better at things. You've got to develop those skills. You've got to do that. But God will equip you. Fight that fight. Don't just think, you know, everything's going to magically happen in 15 minutes. It might be a 10-year battle of gaining competence. But you can do it. Verse 12. Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said... Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. (laughs) Moses. Now, our God is very patient, right? Yeah. At some point, he gets tired of it. And he's about to get tired of it. Verse 14. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and his heart will be glad when he sees you. All right, so Aaron can talk. I'll talk to you. You talk to Aaron. Aaron can be the, the, the spokesman. <sighs> but he's irritated. He's angry with Moses because Moses didn't trust that God could use him. You understand why I think this is the most rational response to the call of God, but not the best response. Because when you look at yourself, you will naturally think, I can't do that. I remember when it it started to become real, like I was going to get my credentials and I was going to be a pastor and I was maybe a month or two away from that actually happening. You know, it's one thing to sit on the couch watching a football game and saying, I could do that better. That was a stupid call. What's the matter with these people? It's another thing if you have to be the head coach of a professional football team. You know, it'd be a whole different thing. You know, so it's easy to complain and say you can do something when you're not facing it. And then it was like, oh man, I'm going to be a preacher. I can't do this. You know, I was sitting in church and I just thought, I can't do this. And then a peace came over me and I thought, I can't do this. Well, then God must have a plan that involves me not doing this. <laughs> it, must, it must involve his empowerment, his strength. And so when we look at ourselves, we can think, I'm not good enough. I, I, I don't have the skills. I can't walk into this. But when we look at God who made us, He's the one that gives us the strength and brings us into it. We can trust him. So Moses responded with, I think you've got the wrong guy. If God calls you, don't look at yourself. Look at him and follow that calling through. Jonah 
Jonah had a very different response to the call of God. And that is basically this. Forget it. (laughs) That was Jonah's response. Let's go to Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city. Do you notice there's, there's, do this. There isn't lots of choices involved except how to respond to the call. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish, which from what I understand is the opposite direction. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. How did that work out for him? Where are you going to go in your fleeing from the Lord? Doesn't turn out that great. This is a bad response. God loves you. He's got a good plan for you. He'll call you to do something that's going to stretch you and bring you into a place where you're going to be bloodied and beaten. But guess what? He'll bring you through it. Don't run. It's way worse. Then we got Noah. Noah's response to the call of God was, yes, sir. And Noah was asked to do some ridiculous things, right? So we get this big list, build a boat, a football field and a half long, three stories high, big roof over it. Go get lots and lots and lots and lots of feed. Start filling up the boat with that. And God tells him to do that. And in Genesis six twenty-two, is the response of Noah. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. That's the best response. The most rational one is the one that Moses had. But that's not seeing the power of God. Noah responded by faith. You want me to build a boat in the middle of a field? (laughs) Okay. I'm in. I'll do it. And he did it. Just as God asked him. God has a plan. You are called to be part of it. Don't run from God. Trust that God can make you who you need to be. And your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to follow Christ. Are you in? If you have not decided to follow Christ with your life, now's your time. Now's the time to do that. If you've noticed, I don't, I don't do hand raising. That's perfectly fine. We don't fill out cards. Because what doesn't matter if you fill out a card or raise your hand. It matters if you, in your heart you make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ to follow him and then you follow through with that commitment. That's what matters. We're going to close with communion. And so I'm going to invite the ushers and the prayer teams up at the same time. If we get prayer teams that are not ushers, please stand up here. That would be fantastic. As we take communion at, at Good Hope Church, if you want to take communion, go ahead and take communion. Uh, but make it real. Don't do it because everybody else is or anything like that. If you want to take communion, make it a holy moment between you and God. But you're free to do that. Whoever you are, whatever your situation, however you walked in this place, you're free to take it. Uh, but it's on you. Make it real between you and God. For those who have endeavored to follow Christ, who have accepted that mission, there are 
there are other missions that are more specific. One of the more specific missions that we are given in the scriptures is to remember certain things. We are told, remember. If you look at the Old Testament feasts, many of them were, remember what God did. Remember. Don't forget. Remember. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul is talking about their New Testament agape feast, which was communion, but also a, a fellowship meal together. Here's what he says. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. One of the things we are tasked to do is to remember. To not let the sacrifice Christ has made for each one of us slip out of our thoughts. We're called to remember. And so this ordinance of communion has been given us that we can regularly bring back into our consciousness the fact that the Son of God saw us as so valuable, he was willing to pay our price. If you saw in the parable, there's a, there's a strong price for refusing God. And Jesus paid that price for each one of us. So we remember. Let's uh, pray. We'll receive communion and then, then we'll finish up right after that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have put in motion. We thank you that you've got a plan, that you've got a calling, that you've got tasks you have chosen for us. You've got missions for us to accomplish. We thank you, Lord, for that. And we know we don't have the capacity to do it. We can't even stand in your presence because of sin. But we know that your grace is sufficient for us. Your grace is enough to make us perfectly forgiven through the blood of Christ. Your grace is sufficient to give us gifts and abilities so that we can accomplish the things that you call us to do. Thank you, Lord, for inviting us. Thank you for what you've done. Let's partake together. This is the body of Christ, which was broken for you. Hallelujah. And this is the blood of Christ, which was shed for you.
Everyone is called. Everyone is invited. But not everyone is chosen. Only through Christ can we put on those wedding clothes. I'm going to close in prayer now before we open up the front for personal prayer. If you are thinking to yourself, I want to follow Christ, but what do I do? How does that work? I don't understand. Come up and receive prayer. Whatever other need you may have, you need physical healing, you need a financial miracle, you need a relationship healed, you need wisdom in a, in a decision-making situation, or you just need encouragement and a blessing, come and receive personal prayer. Let's pray. We'll, we'll uh, close the service, and I'll invite people up. Father, we do give you praise. We thank you that, that you have a plan. Lord, help us, help us to grab hold of and love the thing you've called us to do. Just like Noah, let us do everything just the way that you said. Father, I pray a blessing over each person in this place. I pray your peace upon us. I pray your strength. I pray that that light of love that you put in our hearts would just grow and grow and overflow into our families, into our workplaces, into our schools, into our world. Let it be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on down for prayer. Otherwise, you are dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.